Side TV. We got a uh, guest uh, DJ, uh, DJ House Shoes. You know what I'm saying? What's up? And the co Jeremy Scipio. <laughs> what's up, y'all? So, what's up, Shoes, man? I appreciate you uh, tapping in. Hey, man. Good to be here, man. Appreciate you. I'm chilling. I'm at the crib, man. I just shot, uh, actually shot a little uh, commercial today at the crib all day. I got a beer coming out in a few weeks. So. Oh, man. Yeah, just trying different shit. You know what I mean? You you run the, you meet people and it provides you different opportunities to do different shit. You know what I mean? Hey man, we moving in a whole different time, man. Every uh, opportunity is truly an opportunity. Word up. Yeah, I'm I'm all about that. What's is it gonna be a IPA? A- yeah, it's like a hazy IPA. It's gonna be like eight percent. It's called Uncle Shoes IPA. Hey, <laughs> incredibly popping ale. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Eight percent is about where I start. You know what I'm saying? I, I started at a nice, a nice eight percent beer, and then uh, up to about a twelve. You know? Word up! Hell yeah, yeah. We ain't going too crazy like that. You know, it's the first one. We gonna see. We gonna see how it goes though. <laughs> you you want to hear something? What were you drinking? And you was just like, I could do better. <laughs> <laughs> right, we need about another half percent on this motherfucker right here. <laughs> you know something crazy uh do you know omar from uh with taco nazo name sound familiar but i'd be you know back in them days of going out and talking to people actually in the public yeah we're, we're not <laughs> drinking drinking erases a lot of fucking memories you know what i mean yeah now he got a, he has a taco spot and uh they they got their liquor license but just for like beer like maybe like beer and wine because i know all he had was beers and he had this thing called, uh, uh, it's called barley wine. Oh, that heavy, heavy. 
Oh, come on, man. It was like, and ain't that literally that's just the name changes when it goes beyond a certain percentage, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it was either 12 or 14, but I know they yeah. can only give you like a uh, like a glass, like a almost yeah. like a cognac glass of it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. No, they can't, they can't let you go wild with it, man. You know, <laughs> I, right. Yeah, and I found myself, I wanted to uh, post it online because uh, it's about 10 minutes from my office going to the house. Right. But then I was like, man, I kind of don't want to blow up the spot, man. I like my <laughs> little serenity able keep, to watch Keep my secrets, day. right? Keep them fucking secrets, yo. You can't, <laughs> you can't give it all up, you know what I mean? Watch, yeah. watch the game, eat my chips and sauce, and sip on some uh, 12% beer, you know what there I'm saying? There we go, shit. <laughs> That's cool. So tell me this, what part of Detroit are you from? Uh, I'm not actually from the city, you know, solid, solid. You know, the city stops at 8 Mile. Okay. I grew up between 11 and 12 Mile, so like 3 miles north, uh, mm -hmm. Southfield, Michigan. It borders it borders Detroit from 8 Mile to like 12 Mile, you know what I mean? Downtown and South Central. <laughs> Word up, absolutely. <laughs> there you go, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. But grandma, grandma was in Southwest. You know what I mean. We'd always be over there on the holidays and shit. And as soon as I was of age, I was in the city. You know what I mean. Cool, cool. So uh, I know I date myself every time I ask this question. <laughs> but uh, what did you feel the first time you heard hip hop, and what was the hip hop song that you heard when, like, you under, like, you put it this way. I won't say you had to do the whole comprehension of what hip hop was, but Word like up. rap, rap music. Right. So I was in, I was in the fifth grade. Earthquake! Earthquake! <laughs> oh, thank you, baby. Uh, I was in like fourth, fifth, I think fifth grade, like early in the year. And being in Southfield at that time, this was like nineteen eighty four maybe you know what i mean uh it was my elementary school was pretty lily white you know what i mean it's pretty uh monochrome <laughs> you know what i'm saying this cat moved to southfield from new york Some homie his name was ron garrison and father mc was his uncle yeah and he had all the tapes. He had fucking Houdini. He had Run DMC. He had Fat Boys, Ice T. You know what I mean? And it was like, this is it right here. Like, out of all the music I had been, you know, privy to hear up to my life at that point, I was like, it's time to get focused. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel this shit. Damn. Yeah. What was the uh, first? I'll go ahead, Jeremy. You sure? Yeah. All right. Uh, what was the first record you ever purchased? I couldn't tell you, like, literally the very first record that I purchased. Um, Because, I mean, shit, I was probably, like, fucking, like, five or six years old. My parents divorced <laughs> when I was young, and I would go to my father's house on the weekend, and we would go to this record shop called Peaches Records. And I would get like a couple 45s, you know what I mean? So I had like a handful of 45s. I, I will tell you this, the first, I can't actually remember, the first record I ever had in my life was the Three Little Pigs. <laughs> Walt Disney record, Three Little Pigs. Um, the first hip hop record that I ever bought on vinyl, interestingly enough, was uh, 
I was buying tapes. Wait, you know, tapes was my thing. When I started buying records, I bought the Skinny Boys first album. We all motherfuckers don't know about the Skinny Boys. Get Come on. Connecticut. You know what I mean? Uh, the name of the album was Weightless. Okay. And I want to say it was like 1986. And they had a beatbox who went by the name of the Human Jockbox. And we used to argue like who was iller between the beatbox, jockbox. Uh, I forget homie on the Jazzy Jeff records. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Skinny boys, and that's motherfucker. I didn't even know because people have been talking about this workaholic shit for years, and I finally watched it. I'm like, yo, skinny boys. Well, at first you're like, skinny boys get a check, but then you're like, <laughs> oh, you know they probably don't own that publishing anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, like whoever yeah, owns yeah, that yeah. shit is getting a check. check. They play that shit like four or five times through the course of the show every episode. You know what I mean? Oh wow, <laughs> dang. Yeah, now, skinny boys are my favorite. What a, I say they were in my top five. Man, that was my shit, man. Get pepped is incredible to me, man. That is that that's incredible. That shit was fire, man. Yeah. So what was junior high school like for you? Junior high was dope. Uh it was refreshing to not, you know, be looking into a mirror every motherfucking day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like my middle school was much more for better for, you know, lack of a better word, integrated. Than my mm-hmm. elementary school was. So that's one of the things that I'm most grateful about in my life is coming up in Southfield, just outside of Detroit. I grew up with every kind of motherfucker you can imagine. You know what I mean? Like white, black, Jewish, Asian, Latino, fucking whatever the fuck, Arab, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can't feel no kind of way about people when you're raised around all of them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of course, this motherfucker might be a cocksucker, but it ain't because he's an Arab. Like, <laughs> nah. this Jewish motherfucker's a cocksucker, too. You know what I mean? And so is this motherfucker, too. It comes from the heart, not the ethnicity or the culture. Yeah, man. We all people, man. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of music were you listening to? Middle school is hip-hop. Yo, from fifth grade, from fifth grade on, I listen to hip-hop. That's it. Up until I was in high school, and then high school got to be on some, like, reverse engineering. Like, yo, that sample's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I sat down one day and wrote down all the samples that were cleared and all the fucking tapes and CDs I had and the records. I wrote down every sample. And that's how I started digging. You know what I mean? So hip-hop is... Hip-hop has informed me on all styles of music. Like, it'll fuck you up if I tell you, like... Being a white motherfucker from just outside of Detroit growing up, I heard all these songs for the first time on rap records. Wow. You know what I mean? Like the first time I heard this Parliament shit was on a fucking hip hop record. First time yeah. I heard this was on America's Most Wanted. First time I heard this was on, <laughs> you know, Tribe's first record. That's how my life was completely informed musically through hip hop. I'll say this. For what you've been able to accomplish, you're incredible, man. You definitely beat the curve, man. <laughs> you definitely beat the curve, man. If that's where you, you know, if that's where you, you, you know, you heard it, you start listening. Because for me, I'll say, uh, L.A. party scene, 1990-ish. I was called, the, I was called the DJ, but that was strictly because I was a far size homeboy. It, right. it was like it, was like man, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know, you know what I'm saying? But 
guys like Daz put me on, uh, Al Jackson, like right those were the dudes that would play the rare grooves. Right. You, you hear like some Samande, you'd hear yep. like, like all these dope old cuts. Yep. And it'll be like, whoa. And like, I didn't, I, like I, it, it blew my mind. And then right. let's say, uh, maybe about, mm, I'll say 90, no, no, like, like 88, 89, 90. I just remember hearing different people produce like local producers, dudes around LA. Right. And I just remember how the drums would sound so dope off the SP. Like the oh, SP, absolutely. the drums would just hit so hard. Yeah. And like, like I didn't even know anything about producing or nothing like that. I just knew that uh, if you wanted to make beats, that was kind of like what you got at the time right. along right. with other stuff. So <clears throat> for you, like, I knew that you were a DJ. I really didn't know too much about the production and all that kind of stuff. Right. But like, as a DJ, how did you make the like the the transition into it wasn't a transition. <laughs> like I, start, I started making beats and DJing pretty much at the exact same time. Oh wow! Because <laughs> my the first crew that I was down with was this crew called Thirty One, short for Thirty One Flavors, and the two cats who made the beats was Beige and Spot. Uh, Beige, some of y'all might know about Beige. He was on. <coughs> Welcome to Detroit, JD record. Um, <laughs> they used to make these crazy ass beats, man, on fucking four track. It's big ass Tascam four track, and this little shitty ass keyboard, and this <laughs> it was like a sampler that ran off of a nine volt battery, but you could sample for like sixteen seconds on that bitch. And you could speed it up, slow it down. So they let me borrow that motherfucker, like ninety four. It was like mid, maybe early 94, right after I got kicked out of school, just fucking around, still living with my moms. <laughs> and like, you know, like, fuck, I can do this shit too. Okay. What was the first event you DJed? Uh, literally the first event that I ever DJed. I wouldn't really call it an event. It was more so the first time. But uh, the last day of school in sixth grade. Hey, uh, that's an event. <laughs> and I had I had one of them like the stereos that had the turntable on top, the dual cassette, the CD player, and the AM FM radio. So I would I wasn't really DJing per se. I would like play a joint off a record and then I'd have a tape queued <laughs> up and I'd play that next and then we would play some shit off the CD next, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was literally like it was me and like three of my friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's more DJing than what they do nowadays. So you good? Oh, real shit. Real <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, you ain't a DJ if you pull your phone out when it's time to go to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, after moving to LA and then like doing the transition of you know being in Detroit, Detroit music, being in LA, LA music. I know in LA that there was artists that like were around but they did they didn't necessarily blow up you know what i'm saying but it was dudes who were around at the good life there was guys that were around at different Absolutely. places it was guys who <clears> those guys at the hip-hop shop there was guys you know what i mean we all every every area has that 
who are some of those guys from Detroit that you feel the world the world should have heard? You know what I'm oh, saying? Man. Like MCs. B flat. Mm -hmm. B flat was crazy. B flat was like our Bismarck key, but he was way more of like a sh actual like sharpshooter on the raps. Okay. But he could do shit with a lot of humor and it would be crazy. Uh, Fuzz Scooter. Funny enough, I actually got Fuzz Scooter's demo tape. I keep it right here. This is from 1995. Oh, wow. wow, wow, wow. It's the house who's my favorite DJ. <laughs> so Fuzz Scooter is who Eminem got the Slim Shady style from. Because if, oh, wow. if you listen to the first Eminem album, the Infinite shit, he was like rapping like AZ on that shit. That's why I didn't really care for it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, Fuzz mm -hmm. Scooter is very, very important. Just that influence is very important because without that, it may have never happened for him. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Who else? Shit. Beege. Homie Beege was crazy. Beege was, Dylan wanted to fuck with Beege. He was the cat I told you about that had one of the, he was one of the primary influences on me making beats on a four track, just trying to do what he was doing. But Jay wanted to fuck with him super tough, but he was in a group at the time and the deal was just going to be for him solo and God bless him. You know what I mean? Like it was like my group or nothing. So that shit never <laughs> happened. That's that's three. I mean, there's countless motherfuckers, man. Yeah. Countless, you know what I mean? All right. What, what was it like to be acknowledged at the Detroit Music Awards? Uh, I mean, it's cool. It's just something to put on the shelf and show your mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit really, at the end of the day, don't mean shit. I mean, like a, lot, you, a lot of those awards are usually given to, like, the wrong people, so I hope I wasn't the wrong person that got it that year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm sure you did a little something. You won, like, three Bro, years I won, look, I, won, I won Best DJ in Detroit the year after I moved to L.A. <laughs> like, I won that shit, like, three or four times, but then I'm like, man, come on. Y'all motherfuckers is crazy. I don't even live there no more, man. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Do some fucking homework. <laughs> crazy. That's funny. So, working at the record shop. Yeah. So, working at a record shop and then also DJing. But, but... A crackhead working in a crack house. <laughs> so you had a lot of people bringing you records to break and all that kind of stuff it, it uh, honestly nah not really like it used to be kind of it was hard to get them records man because like the actual labels they didn't give a fuck about a motherfucker playing that shit they wanted that shit on college radio like I remember numerous labels I'd be like you had, they'd be like you had college radio and at that time I didn't have it I had it later but by then I already had plugs to all the records so it didn't even matter you know what i'm saying yeah, but yeah yeah they weren't hunting me down like that they should have been because i mean i was buying the shit anyway like my whole goal from saturday morning until friday night was to scour the fucking city and find all the heat that's why i didn't give i don't give a fuck about anybody in that club except those records like i'm playing the shit that touched me the most this week and i want all y'all motherfuckers to hear it I don't give a fuck about party time. Like, y'all about, <laughs> about to get this heat. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Hey. Well, shit. <laughs> if, if, if you kept the club full, if, if, if everybody just didn't decide, bro. we're going to listen, we're going to listen to something else. <laughs> like, bro, it was like, I used to break, I used to break records on the motherfucking ground, bro. Like, it was a transition. The shit split. Like, it was, 
way earlier than people would think. I can tell you, I remember the day that shit changed. It was the third Friday in May of 1996. <laughs> How about that? That date has <laughs> always stuck in my mind because it wasn't some real crazy shit that went down. It was just there was something after that Friday that was never there again. You know what I mean? It wasn't, a, it was absence. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was on this money mission and fame and hoes and all that funny shit. Music's all that mattered to me. You know what I mean? But when, when the music started getting whack and motherfuckers started chasing singles and platinum records, I would take that shit and break that motherfucker on the ground, on the stage. Like the first record I ever broke was If I Rule the World. Nice. A lot of motherfuckers' favorite song they ever heard in their life. Jeremy. I was like, Jeremy. fuck this record, man. I was like, how you go from Illmatic to that fucking bright ray of sunshine? Like, make that shit the second single or something, man. You know what? Ironically, ironically, not only is Nas my favorite artist, I actually... Oh, terrible. I actually skipped that record. Actually, I'm actually not a fan yeah. of, of that, and that's his he, biggest record. He's the most frustrating motherfucker in, I, you know, I'm controversial, remember, because I speak from the yeah. fucking heart. I love to hear it. Nas is the one of the greatest examples of unrealized potential ever in rap music history. Well, okay. People say ever. Beat, I've, heard, I've heard people if say you beat. can't pick a beat, you're getting in your own way. You need to have a fucking a and R, wash your hands after you take a piss or something. You know what I mean? Like, but when you say you you when you can't when you say he can't pick a beat, but he's getting average is horrible, bro. I think I think he had producers that he worked with hand in hand, but that's not what the industry wanted. So he had to work with pop. And since since his transition to Def Jam, he's always worked with whatever producers in. But None before that, that, all that matters, bro, is the fact that I can't. I haven't been excited to listen to one of, his, one of his songs in 20 years. Man, you gotta check the new album, man. I listen to it, I listen to it. And on some real shit, it took me about seven minutes to go through the whole record because I'm about the beats. I don't give a fuck. You could say the greatest raps I've ever heard yeah. in my life. Okay. But if that shit ain't fucking hard, like I'm not, have a good day. That's why his second best album in his catalog is The Lost Tapes because you don't Lost, even put okay, Lost. on your fucking records. Absolutely, absolutely. But don't, please don't act like it stops there, though. You gotta give, you gotta give me, you gotta give me. Uh, got what's the one? Songs like thirty. You got albums with like thirty-two Street, songs, and like three of them are good. Streets, Streets Disciple. Not a good record. Cut it out. Come on, he got like thirty. Maybe like thirty tracks. Four songs on there, I would play maybe. I give you more. Four. Come on, you gotta do more than that. You remember when motherfuckers started saying that, yo, his album was cool, man. He got a few joints. Right. When that shit started happening, the normalization of whack shit, mm-mm. Your album ain't cool if you only got a few joints. Your album, I got records, it could be a record where there's one song on that motherfucker that I love. But it's right. like, how the fuck you got one song on your record that I love? That one song don't even deserve to be on my show. Right, but there's whole records that we had hits on that people won't play now. He like, let's be built. honest. I, I, this was around the time. Nas on a hit record. I don't want to hear a hit record from Nas. I want right. to hear a good record from Nas. Right, but you gotta you understand that you a lot of people like like Nelly like 
Don't nobody want to hear Nelly. I don't see, and God bless the conversation. That's what we're here for. But I don't need to understand it because I'm 45 years old and listening to this motherfucker for the majority of my life, and I listen <laughs> to the same 18 songs, and there's we nothing to add to it. You know what I mean? From now, like the whole Illmatic, of course. Okay. Second childhood. Okay. And I got to pull up my computer after that. Nas is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I gave you power. Like, all oh, the real man. shit, man. I don't want to. It was always so whack to me that the thought of I want to make a record that somebody besides me likes. That's a dangerous thought in a creative's head. Why would you want to make a record that everybody loves? You gotta, you gotta, pour, you gotta pour all this water on yourself to figure out how to do that. You know what I mean? Like, do me this favor and revisit Streets Disciple and Hip Hop is Dead, and 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 and, uh, and come up with some. I, I bet you come out with some gems from there. From this perspective, this and is that's it. I will never bother you again. I never Time bother you again. Money. Like if I got 18 songs from a motherfucker, I don't really. I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> that is true though. That's true. I definitely agree and with that. I definitely agree. Time with that. is time is money, bro. You know what I mean? I like I would rather listen to that shit that I like over and over again than just go and get disappointed again and again and have that totally, you know, strengthen my opinion on it. God bless him. Like I said, his pen is one of the absolute best in the art form of all time. Absolutely. But I, for me, and I don't speak shit as facts. I'm this is all my opinion. Mm -hmm. His batting average is like, it might not even be a hundred, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I hate sports, but I, my music shit all comes from, it's what is your fucking batting average, man? For me, you can make shit for the bitches. You can make shit for these motherfuckers. That's cool. Just get what, all that matters is what I want. I'm selfish. Who do you feel like has the best batting average? Awesome rapping? Yep. Jesus Christ, bro. 18, you gotta be 18. That can't be a hard number to beat. I mean, Jay-Z is the easiest one to say. Like, Jay-Z is corpse. Yeah, Jay -Z. Jay -Z. yeah of course. That's of course. easy. And uh, that, that whole, hold on, one personally, on, on, on the Jay-Z thing, that's what I wanted to bring up. The song mm -hmm. Black Republicans. Okay. I listened, I listened to it yesterday. Right. Great track. That song is hard. Right. I, the question the question I asked myself. <laughs> <Look at him>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that question is that song is hard, man. That song is hard. He's like, nah. <laughs> wrong. Oh, I mean it's cool. It was a good record. It's just, you know. <laughs> it's cool. We gonna have to have shoes come back, man. He's a very interesting perspective to this conversation, <laughs> man. Very... I, I talked to you like I, you know, when we do this, I'm gonna keep it a hundred like I'm talking to my homie. I'm yeah, not going to be like, oh, I got to be careful of what I say because I might hurt somebody's feelings. That's right, some right. bullshit. You got to keep it 100 at all times. Always. If that makes me controversial, you know, fuck these pussies, <laughs> man. <laughs> when, when, when I was listening to Black Republican, I tried to, the question I asked myself was Nas out rapping Jay-Z or was Jay-Z out rapping Nas? And I came with this. <clears throat> Jay-Z's flow at times was tighter but but Nas's lyrics it, it kind of wasn't even a contest in that particular song i'll just right. say that particular <laughs> i'll just say that you know particular why song. you know why because huh. Nas, Nas had no other choice 
<laughs> no. He didn't pick the beat. He had no <laughs> other choice, man. He's like, I can't let this mother like this motherfucker's career is already so much better than mine. I cannot fucking. I'm about to go for his fucking head on this shit. You got. Let's be more specific. This, this motherfucker married be Beyonce, man. I gotta body him on this song, yo. <laughs> I think they were. I really feel like they was neck and neck. No, uh, no, but but hip but but the thing is with hip hop is dead. That was a to me, I am biased. That was a solid record through and through, and a lot of those songs were kind of formatted. You know what I mean? To where you could just it could just flow. But um, with that with that track, uh, Jay Z kind of uh, laid the foundation. You know what I mean? So it was kind of laid for Nas to just come through and kill it. But this motherfucker had the motherfucker that said "time out" and lost the national championship. Make a beat on his album, no? <laughs> hey man, like people forget that. It's not just Chris Webber. Chris Webber fucking said time out and lost the national championship, the NCAA <laughs> championship. He said, you know what? Nas, Nas is hard, man. Nas is hard, man. He can rap. <laughs> I know a lot of motherfuckers that can rap. Really, really good. I'm just going to say that. Dude, they, they had still dreaming on there, too. Like, come on, man. Like, I mean, that's your shit. Man. That's your shit. I'm gonna stick to New York State of Mind, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm fuck with all. Like I said, I'm biased. I'm no, I'm the wrong person to have this conversation with. Oh man! <laughs> Shout out to my son. My son just texted me and said, "Love you, Dad." All right, that's oh, tight. Shout to James. Uh huh. I gotta text him back. Last Friday, I bumped the uh, Eric B and Rakim's first album twice. Word up, man! I it Talk was about timeless. Come on, yo, man! With with the with the exception of Chinese arithmetic, as a whole ass record. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I was like, "What is this shit, yo?" I mean, it's cool. It's like uh, I don't know. Like, you gotta go outside and smoke a cigarette while you're listening to the record and just have one song to miss. That's definitely it. That shit was just weird as fuck to me because the whole album is flawless, and then that's just like, all right, I can't make it to the studio today. We gotta put one more song on the record. Do that shit. Hey, I maybe it was so tight that I didn't even uh, notice Chinese arithmetic. You know what I'm saying? It was so flawless. But I, uh, man, I bumped it twice, and I was just like, "Dang, Rakim was hard. Well, he is hard. He's hard. Absolutely." I didn't notice this. I seen it. I seen an interview with Will Smith recently, where he was discussing um, how uh, somebody asked him. Did he bite Rakim on summertime? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because his whole flow. I mean, people nah, thought Rakim that... wrote that joint, didn't he? Nah, no. I wrote it. You saw the interview? No, but come on, uh, man. No, like that. He said he didn't nah. write it, but he said he had no, the nah. beat. He had the beat first, and he passed on it. And Will said that this is the BS that Will said, but <laughs> I think it's some truth to it. Will said that his his throat was was hoarse all day. He said he already already turned in his album, and, and he said this beat was laying around. He said, "Let me just try it," and he said his vo his voice couldn't get over a certain amount. So then he played it back back, and he was like, "I guess it, it kind of does," but he's like, "Whatever." But uh, yeah, man, it's obvious that was. I thought he wrote story. that. I thought I thought the Rock and wrote that shit. Nah, uh, that story Jeremy just told was to sell. Uh, that was, was a well published. A pub some publicists got paid a grip to truck that. <laughs> To construct that screenplay that Jeremy just did. <laughs> I saw an interview where Nas said he got flown to Miami and he was like, okay, let me think. 
Let me think. And he was thinking and he wrote the song. And I and no, I no, not that. Summertime not was that like one. summertime was like 91 oh, though. Summertime and Rakim. You're Rakim. Right. No, you're right. You're right. I'm thinking about the other song, the one Eminem. Miami. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, That's man. another one that hasn't been verified. I don't know. But you always wonder what people think about summertime and Rock Hill. You know what I mean? Like summertime was the shit. Shout out to Will Smith and them ho ass entanglements. Oh, <laughs> we can talk about the fact that if their uh if their sex is if, if it was like vice versa, let's talk about how Will Smith they would have burnt his fucking house now. Man, she's at the crib chilling. We don't need to go there though. That's some bullshit. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. I, I feel like the the uh the industry would have pulled back from. Oh come on, they would have fucking burned shit to the ground. Thirteen more motherfuckers would have came out, said some shit. Her shit blew up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna get a t-shirt. So entangled. They got entanglement t-shirts and shit now. Fuck out of here. She's Speaking so of which, they're actually having a Fresh Prince reunion. Mm. <laughs> they're having a reunion. No, but they haven't. They haven't. The crazy shit is they're having a a reboot. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know they that. Had a reboot. Okay. It was a fan that made like a oh a little, a little joint like a couple years ago or something. And Will Smith's seen the shit and he's funding it, and that's fresh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was. I, the I innocence to that is dope. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So tell me this. How did you meet Dilla? I came in the record store one day. (laughs) (laughs) Crack house. I was working at the crack house. He came in. I was like, something about, you know, we just started chopping it up. And he was digging, digging, digging. Like, I was about to get off of work. I was like, you want to smoke a joint? Got in the whip, put the tape in. And that was just like the first time I heard hip hop. Dude, let me tell you something. Those tapes, so <laughs> famous. Come on, man. And but but the thing about it was, okay, so I was telling Jeremy earlier today, I met Dilla a few times, but yeah. I knew I knew JD. So I knew a twenty. I, I knew a kid that came out to LA like ninety, maybe the end of ninety three, mm-hmm. ninety four. You know he. Yeah really reserved to himself. Yep. He wasn't like, like, like just, just. He was there to work. He was about beats. Mm-hmm. That's what he was about. You know what I'm saying? He was kind of, he, he was kind of taken back by LA a little bit, but he was really like, he, he just, you know, he produced, but it's a trip because it's like, first of all, to get him to LA was the far side had went out to New York and they were supposed mm-hmm. to get some producers and uh Q-Tip had turned them oh, on, yep. had turned them on to JD. Yep. And when they had first got the tapes, they didn't even think that it was uh they thought it was Q-Tip, like on a, yep. like ghost, go, like on some ghost producing, yep. but like everybody who was around the far side at that time, like I didn't know that what I was listening to in my car was, what will become something that you know man people people hold it very dear to heart like we didn't Absolutely. we had no idea that it was just like to me it was like al jackson and daz their records that they play on steroids yeah 
but looped into these like maybe he would give you it would be so many beats it would just yeah. be so many it yeah. be so many and you can drive and listen to it and yep. then to see him come into the studio um that was really amazing and i and it's so funny i remember one time i tell the story all the time uh he was playing the drums on something it had to do with lab cap and he was playing the drums and um it was just me and him in the studio at the time he it was like because they would they would block out a studio for a, like that's when you had budgets and you could just yeah. different people would come by at different times and the producer would just be there for days just you know getting stuff down listening mixing whatever so yeah I remember hearing JD on the drums and I was like, hey man, I wanna break you off some bread, man. I wanna get a club cracking, man. I think you'd be dope on the drums. You know what I'm saying? And then for me to have that conversation and then after Lab Cabin on up into the 2000s for him to be this DJ that like, not DJ, I'm sorry, this producer that's kind of like world renowned. The best. It, Dude, amazing, dude, amazing. But I saw it though, like I saw, see, if you ever saw, which I'm sure you did, if you saw him in the studio, it's kind of like when you're around somebody and you know, like people might not know it, but you're like. He was making a beats in like 15 minutes. Dude, dude, dope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I say he's the best, I'm not speaking, that's not really from opinion. Nobody, you know, he didn't fuck with keyboards and shit. This is records. Nobody could fucking make them records sound like that. Nobody could take a record and do what he could do with it. And that's just period, point blank. That's science, yo. That's like arguing with Dr. Whoever the fuck on this COVID shit. Uh -huh. nah. Can't nobody else do that. I remember going to watch uh, uh, Raphael Sadiq. He performed at a kissing grind. Uh, for du right. Victor, du Victor Duplay. And basically what he did was he brought a guitar out and then um, Victor Duplay would play a song and then he might sing or he might play a little something, but he was kind of giving you like the backstory on all this stuff. Word. And when he started going into D'Angelo and talking about Dilla and he, I, it, was, it, was, it was one story that he had told where like, I want to say, uh, I want to say maybe D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq weren't the coolest at the time. Just mm -hmm. on some art artist stuff, they worked together. They were like, I want to say they had a production team at one time or something like that or whatever. Oh and, Raphael, and Raphael Sadiq was like, man, Dilla was the glue. He was like, man, Dilla had me come to the studio and I came to the studio and D'Angelo was there. And then uh, Raphael Sadiq, uh, had broke down how his relationship with D'Angelo was to the level of where uh, Raphael Sadiq wrote Girlfriend. No, Word you're up. my lady. You're my lady. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, dang. So when you mm -hmm. met Dilla, I mean, at that time in Detroit, was he, did he have the major buzz? Did people get no, it? Hell no, this is before any of that shit. This okay. was like 94. It's like he had just started fucking with him. Okay. Like, I got the test press for drop. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I broke all them records. Wow. I was the DJ. I wasn't his DJ. I was the city's DJ. You know what I mean? Huh. And when Damn. I became aware of a motherfucker from our own city who was better than anybody at doing what he does, I crammed that shit down everybody's throat. 
hanging <laughs> fuck. And everybody wasn't happy about that shit. You see all these motherfuckers now, like, yeah, that, yeah, bitch, you was fronting back in the day. I wasn't playing your record. Uh, hey, I'll say it. I, I don't have no friends to keep. Hey, man, Delicious was not feeling him, dude. At that time, they weren't. And, and it was like, dude, Brown had to fight to get him. Like, dude, they were like, how are you going to go to New York and deal with all these producers and the Q-tips and, the, and try, talk to most deaf and yeah. deal with all these people? And you got this guy that nobody knows about? Like, you're, you're, so, you, so you want us to put this album in the hands of this guy that right. we, we don't know anything about. And dude, God they, damn right we do. <laughs> God damn right we do. Yeah, man, they stayed with their conviction, man. And yeah. I'll say that, uh, yeah, man, he was a very gifted dude. And man. motherfuckers were saying that he ruined Tribe Called Quest. He ruined the no. Far Side. Wow. He ruined Common. No. And now they all just dick handlers, man. Like, stick to the script, man. Like, keep that energy. That's what they say. Like, keep that energy, yo. I like a lot that. Of you motherfuckers uh, look funny, man. Like, you was not saying that shit. The Electric Ladyland album, the one that, that him and Common like did. There. Oh, that was dope. Yeah. That was, yeah, that, that was Nobody that was liked that shit when it came out. In oh, yeah. Detroit, nobody liked that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't, you know, like, oh, that shit's crazy. He's on some wild shit. He was what the fuck is he supposed to do? He's supposed to make the record you want him to make? Get the mm -hmm. fuck out of here. Right, right. Nah, he was ahead of his time. That shit was space, man. Jay stayed 10 years ahead. He'd been gone for 15 years. A motherfucker still ain't came close to catching up. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like they still they still use his records on new on new music. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Still be chopping his drums up off the beat tapes too. <laughs> I, um, I was cool with uh Aloe Black a few years ago, and I seen you were affiliated with him. I was wondering if you had any stories or, or what's your relationship with him? Uh, Aloe was fucking one of the nicest and realest people I've ever met in my life. He took me to Europe for the first time. Wow. First time I went to Europe, he set all that shit up. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. Like literally the the crib that my son was raised in was Aloe's crib. Wow. Like from when he was a child, <laughs> like he gave me that crib. He was like, he, I was like, yeah, fuck it. We need one anyway. I'll take it. Aloe's a good dude, man. One of the best, hundred percent. It ain't too yeah. many motherfuckers that ain't got at least a little piece of shit in them. Hmm. Aloe, Aloe ain't got no piece of shit in him except for the one that he's got to leave at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, I met my girl on his uh, music video set, I'm the Man. Okay. Years years before we <laughs> linked up, but it was it was, was kind of like a, uh, a thing. She was like, you was there too? And I was like, yeah, you know, I, was like, oh, I remember, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I remember I was, I, was, I was kicking with him on the set and uh, I told him a story. I forgot exactly what the story was, but you know how, you know, he was like trying to get in the stream of mind you know, trying to be all serious and whatever right. I told him just made him start dying laughing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so imagine like, you fucked this video up. I, <laughs> I fucked his head. I fucked his head up. He wasn't, you know, but sometimes you need that just to break whatever, you know, just be like, right. like, oh man, I gotta kill this. But then um <laughs> during um one of the um setups, he was like, he didn't have his car with him, but he was just like, man, I guess his wife was working on like a music video of our own same day at a different studio so he was like um he was like uh yo he said you drive here and i was like yeah he was like uh you mind giving me a ride somewhere and it's like in the middle of the the music video shoot so then i <laughs> <laughs> i 
I asked the first AD, I was like, yo, uh, yeah, he want to leave? And they was like, oh, no, we can't have that. So they call around, they panicking, they panicking. They was like, yo, uh, shoot, y'all got 30 minutes. What they didn't know was we was already in the car gone. I mean, <laughs> he, he wanted to go. <laughs> but my car wasn't the best at the time, so I'm explaining stuff. I'm like, yeah, ignore that crack in the windshield. Uh, right. don't, don't worry about the left-hand turn signal. But yeah, man, now he's always been thorough. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in some years, but always a real one. Absolutely, man. Shout out to Aloe. Also, I wanted to ask you, what was the process of uh, creating your uh, your album, Let It Go? When I first made it, I made it as an instrumental record. Because the beats are more important to me than rappers. You know what I mean? Just got to have a movement to it. So I got all the beats together and I sequenced the record. And then I just hit all the homies up. Like, those are all the homies. I don't do records with strangers. So hit them up, send them the beats. The majority of the motherfuckers turn that shit in rather quickly, and we had a record. That's simple. You feel like the process, was was that record more significant to you than the the mixes and all the other stuff you made? I mean, yeah, that's my first record. I mean, it's on vinyl. That's my first record. You know what I mean? Like, that's my first proper... I had a shout to YG and a bunch of the other, you know, shout to JD, man. Like, they used to be like, you know, we appreciate you sharing all your energy and sharing our shit with everybody. You got to do your own shit, man. Like, the word, you got some shit, and it's time for motherfuckers to hear your shit. So, better late than never, you know what I mean? Is there something to the name Let It Go? Absolutely. It was a lot of drama with shit back at the crib at that time. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I remember one day I wrote, it was like eight meanings to that shit. But the main one was just, you know, keep it keep it, keep it it moving, man. Mm-hmm. Let it fucking go. Stop holding on to shit that's slowing you down. Mm. Like, when you're holding on to shit, you're holding on to it. That's, that's fucking up your forward progression. You know what I mean? Let that mm-hmm. shit go. For better or for worse. It could be the best of the worst for you, but as long as you're walking forward, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So what was your transition like moving to LA from Detroit? Oh, I fucking there. hit I fucking hit the ground running, bro. <sighs> I got here on uh, July 6th, uh, 2006. I went to the do-over the next day. Okay. And that okay. was like red it just felt like a red carpet. I was like, damn, these motherfuckers get down like this out here. Anyway, bro. oh man, I've had some of the greatest times over. I, I the OG joints at Cranes was just some of the most special shit. Like, I hold some of those days up in the same regard as I hold some of those nights at St. Andrews fucking 25 years ago. You know what I mean? Just hearing your favorite DJ play his favorite music. Mm. Not what he thinks everybody else want to hear. Like the cutty shit that he wants to inform you about on a fucking Sunday afternoon in Los a- Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles, and it's like you know, less than a hundred people, and no promoter saying you need to play this, you need to play that. People aren't dancing. Yeah, <laughs> my dick, man. That shit was incredible, bro. Like those days, Jesus. Hey, you I would have- get it was fucking two to ten. You would get destroyed. I would love. There was nothing more entertaining than like bringing a homie and just knowing what they're going to go through 
knowing how trash they're going to get. And then, the, bitch, you got to get yourself together. This is the do-over. Like, it's 10 hours. <laughs> you don't get fucked up with a do-over and go home. Like, you shake that shit off and keep it moving. You know what I mean? Hey, I've had a homie. I've had a homie from New York that manages one of your favorite rappers, one of all of our favorite rappers. And uh, yeah, man, he, he LA, LA, LA wore him out, man. The glory <laughs> was too much, man. <laughs> man, I remember the first time Illa J came to the motherfucking do over. I tucked him into his bed that night, yo. Hey, I oh. carried him into his apartment, wow. took his shoes off, put him in the motherfucking bed. He was on the curve. He was out on the curve. A lot of motherfuckers ended up out on that curve, man. LA is live, man. Or was live. I'm gonna say is live. Right now we ain't really we ain't really too live. Right. <laughs> the do-over, I could say uh I've been to about three of them. Where I, I had I never wore it out. I was at one, I think my most memorable one, I was there with Dayla. Uh it was Dayla rolled through and Dave hit me up. I wanna say Dave hit me up or smiles and said they were gonna they were gonna come. They were gonna go, so I met him up there, and I want to say, Guru might have been there, or no, it was Premier. It was Premier, and uh, Freddie Gibbs. And yeah. it, was like, it was just, it was, it was, it was some rap. It was some, it was hip hop. I, I say for, yeah, that was hip hop in L.A. I remember I was the the last time I DJed at Cranes, fucking uh. Oh, I can't remember my man's name, but fucking uh, hold up. There we go. Click that off. Uh, we back? Yeah. All right. Uh, fucking Avon was in that bitch. Avon Barksdale. Oh. <laughs> I was DJing. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, yo, shout out to Avon Barksdale and this motherfucking yeah. crowd crazy. And he was like, yeah. 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 That's funny. Hey, <laughs> Bob Buxton. <laughs> He's one of my favorite actors, man. He's great, man. He's one of my favorite actors. And his brother uh is Steve Harris. He plays a dude that uh kicked the girl out of that uh kicked the girl out the car in that Tyler Perry movie. Uh, I don't be fucking with no Tyler Perry movies, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, well, Je well, well, social Jeremy know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on Tyler Perry movies, but give, oh, give me a little man. more. I, oh, man. I, I, got no, I got no beef with Tyler. Nah. <laughs> Book me. Let me, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a closet Tyler Perry uh, movie <laughs> with, with fuzzy slippers. <laughs> with fuzzy slippers eating uh, ice cream on the couch. That's not <laughs> <laughs> So what's up, shoes? So from you DJing the little clubs in LA and all that kind of stuff, where were you when the Rona jumped off? Uh, actually, I'm super grateful that I got this last joint in uh, in Atlanta. Shout to the homie Stolen Drums. Shout to Controllerized Family. They got this crazy what well, they had. Hopefully, it'll be back. Knock on wood. They got a Monday night in Atlanta. Based around beats, video games, and anime, and they average five hundred people a week. My type of party. Yo, this is the fucking craziest shit, bro. Like a Monday night 
in Atlanta, like where you would think it would be probably like just mega regular. You know what I'm saying? 50 people, 50 people. Yo, unbelievable, yo. It was a fucking incredible night. And then like all the, you know, mad Detroit homies moved to Atlanta. So like all the Detroit homies came out. Like Bizarre was there. The homie JC was there. And it was just a fucking incredible night. So, you know, you're waiting up until the very time of the fucking party to make sure, you know, it. thankfully it went off. It could have been canceled. But it didn't. Went back to the crib and sat the fuck down. And I've been, I'm still sitting down. I, 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 I'm chilling, man. Like I got, you know, I'm compromised. I'm trying to quit these motherfucking square. I actually, you know, I'm gonna start rolling my own cigarettes and try to just kind of get off of this shit because, you know, I be waking up in the middle of the night dying and shit sometimes. That shit is fucked up, and it's not the best time to be having fucked up lungs. So, yeah, I try to get ahead of that. You know what I mean? But I'm not coming out the crib. I'm don't book me for no parties, motherfucker. I'm in the crib till at the earliest. You know, my birthday is March 28th. Hopefully, I can have a birthday party with real people. <laughs> but, if, but if not, I ain't gonna sweat it, man. Like, I got kids. I got much greater responsibilities, you know, in this world than just this fucking music. So yeah, I'm just man. grateful that I'm slightly financially responsible. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about shit. If I don't work, I don't work. Make my money work for me. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's man, it's, it's that real, man. I, um, you know, I didn't think that it was going to be as serious as it was until uh you know someone called me and uh it was someone that works with my dad right and, and they were like and he has, he has his own business some insurance business and they were like do you have a plan to shut the business down and right. then i was like ah oh. you know and it, it was like it was the week of this the, the 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 week of the curfews and all that kind of stuff and right. so I said, well, you know, I'll talk to him about it. And then um, I'll hit you in like two or three days. She was like, uh-uh. She said, I need one in two hours. Oh, uh, and I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah, she got real, yo. I mean, literally in like three days, we were shut down. Yeah. Three, day, three days, we were shut down. And it was a trip because like for me, I just, you know, I'm in my own world, man. Like going out really ain't like, man, I'd, I'd hit Motown Mondays maybe yeah. once every couple months. months. Yeah, uh, for me, it'd, it'd be like five months, four months. It, I'd hook up with OPO, something like that. We, we, we cruise through for a brew. But as far as being out, that really wasn't my thing. So like I didn't yeah. miss too much. But in a crazy kind of way, I felt sorry for the people that like, man, going out is their life. I mean, beyond the jobs and all that shit that got lost, but if some people, they can't be in the house. Like, I'll tell you some real shit, man. I have never in my life spent one second giving a fuck about the economy. You know what I mean? <laughs> all that matters is my personal economics. I don't give a fuck about no economy. <laughs> but being in the range of people that are past the finish line for this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is that motherfucking spot you used to DJ at even going to be open? <clears throat> they said on Yelp, fucking like 65% of the restaurants that temporarily closed are permanently closed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then you start thinking about, well, damn, it probably was like, you know, 
10 or 15 employees at each of them spots. And it just like, and on and on. And then you got to be like, okay, I'm checking out. <laughs> Let me turn all that shit off that I was just allowing to happen and just keep doing my motherfucking thing. You know what I mean? Because yeah. this shit is terrifying if you sit down and really think about it. Yeah. Like, what's really on the other side of this shit is fucking like the shit, that, like, there's so much shit that nobody's even discussed. Just sections of society that need assistance and aid, and they are so like, I'm a DJ, man. Like, don't nobody give a fuck about no DJ right now. And I'm cool with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Let's fucking have priorities and take care of the shit that really fucking matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, I'll say it's been like a purge for me. A purge of cleanse. I've been a lot more focused. I'll tell you that. It's time to refine yourself, man. Like, what the fuck? Like, you ain't got shit else to do but sit at the crib. You better figure out some way to make yourself better. You know what I mean? Or you're fucking this whole shit off. You need to be on the respirator. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's nine o'clock. What are the uh what are the three most amazing moments you witnessed in hip hop? <clears throat> so that's personal with me. Uh I tell people I've seen three three I've seen three superstars in my life. First superstar I saw was M at the hip hop shop. Just yeah just retarded you know what I mean like he's gonna be on a fucking he's gonna get on a plane one day soon and he's gonna come back to an entirely different ecosystem in his life you know what I mean second one was Danny Brown at uh, the release party for his first album Hot Soup that I DJ'd in Detroit in 2008 I believe it was a couple years after I moved out here that night was crazy because half of the crowd knew every word to his shit and the other half of the crowd didn't know who the fuck he was off the street. <laughs> but two songs in, you couldn't tell the difference between any of them. Wow. Like, he had them all wide the fuck open. It was crazy. Wow. Number three would be <clears throat> Anderson Pop. He had a monthly residency at the Lyric on La Brea. This was probably about five years ago. Yeah, I went to those shows. <clears throat> now, I did a party with him and Shafiq uh, at NOLA's uh, probably about, I don't know, like 10, 12 years ago. It's so crazy. I've been there so goddamn long. <clears throat> and he was really, really dope. Really dope. Music was fucking incredible. Crazy drummer. Crazy stage presence. <clears throat> but you know, it's a party. Get drunk as fuck. I don't remember that shit the next day. Still got the CD. He still got the CD he gave me that night. When I seen him at the fucking joint on La Brea, the crowd was like 90% damn near children. Like young kids. Like not even like, you know what I'm saying? Like 16-year-olds type shit. They knew every fucking word to his shit. It was crazy. You know what I mean? And I told him that night, I was like, yo, you're gonna that you're about to get on the plane, bro. Like in the next six months, you're gonna get on the plane. And what you're gonna come back to is not gonna be what you left. Mm. You know what I mean? That's my three little superstars. Can you tell me to get on a plane? Hey man, get on the plane, bro. Don't get on a plane right now, though, goddamn. <laughs> Don't get on no fucking plane right now, bro. 
<laughs> you might not make it back in a whole nother fashion. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come back in a box. <laughs> man. 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 Nah, man. So with this whole Twitch thing and all yeah. the DJs on Twitch and everybody kind of competing. Well, it's not really competing anymore. I, I think I, I think the first maybe week or two weeks of, of uh, quarantine, everybody was grabbing like. Everybody just trying to figure this shit out, man. You know what okay. I mean? I can't DJ for nobody in the club, and I feed off of that. I like to play good music for fucking good people. So I'm I'm grateful, you know what I mean? Like, I got my little, you know, whatever, 40, 50 people. The way I look at it is, I don't, I like being a secret. I'm not for everybody. Like, many facets of my personality and my output are not for everybody. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to serve everybody. I'm trying to serve the motherfuckers that want me to serve them. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So I jump in that room and we talk our little shit. Like you can't fit more than 40 people in my crib, literally. So I kind of like that. You know what I mean? Let's keep it <laughs> honest. I do eight hours every Monday. Get fucking faded up in this bitch. Just playing joints. It ain't no DJ shit. Like I'm not up in here beat juggling. I'm just playing y'all joints. And most of the time, you know, it's more geared towards shit that you're not familiar with. I've always felt that the DJ should educate a motherfucker. Fuck playing that robot shit these motherfuckers, all they know. Like, a teacher doesn't ask the student what they want to learn today. You know what I mean? Come, I got you all day over here. All good. So what's up, man? We about to wrap up this episode, but uh, you want to shout out your Twitch? Let them know where they can find <laughs> social media, the whole... No doubt. Twitch TV uh, slash Shoes House. Instagram slash shoes uh, slash house shoes. Instagram slash street corner SCM. That's the label, street corner music. Street corner SCM.com. That's where, that's the gold mine. That's all the records. I finally made a bunch of t shirts and fucking coffee mugs for you motherfuckers. So you can go over there and spend some money. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's pretty much it. Uh, Mixcloud. If y'all want to just listen to mixes, I got like fucking 100 mixes up there. All kinds of special guests. The last set we did before the shutdown was uh, Sick Jackin playing all 45s. Oh, wow. Fucking heavy ass set, yo. Like, hold on one second. Very expensive set. Like, the records that he played in that set is probably worth, you add all them bitches up, you're talking about like 10 racks. Sick Jackin does play Absolutely. Damn. So he's an oldie dude. Like, he got the crazy oldie 45s, yo. Yeah. He beat it up over here. He beat it the fuck up, like, straight up. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous man yeah that's ridiculous and so what's up with you jeremy what you got popping um i have a show that i'll be on that uh premieres i think tomorrow on youtube called hypothetical debate it's pretty much a show where like the topics don't matter we just go back and forth they make a switch sizes they're really dumb <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just you really trying to prove your point uh i remember the the, the, the main one for me and the other person i was going against was a. Uh, TLC versus uh, Destiny's Child, and I had Destiny's Child, and uh, like yeah, I just I just straight up said yo T boss can't I said yeah TLC stand for T boss can't sing, left eye can't rap, and Chili can't dance, and that was like <laughs> yo, <laughs> but you know it's like it's 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 all fake opinions, it don't matter. So uh, yeah, other than that, yo check that out. Um, that's my boy Sean uh, Sean G. He produced that. Um, but yeah, everything else uh, was it. I said Instagram, Jeremy Comedy, and uh, you know, of course, JeremyScipio.com. 
Word up. Nah, that's tight. Well, shoot, man. Nah, man, we got some new stuff coming up with uh, Splendid. We'll keep you guys tuned in. I want to thank everybody for watching. Um, oh, yeah. Make sure you tune in next Monday for the rebroadcast. I want to, once again, I want to thank you, Shoes, for uh, sliding through and giving us your opinion. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. Disciple. I knew it was coming. I hope you don't say that. I hope you don't say that. Revisit. It's been 20 years. Not even that long. All, I, all I can hear is like, oh, you're saying this, and all I hear is the train from the beginning of the Genesis off of Illmatic Plan. <laughs> you the train drowning you out. <laughs> you would have been this right. shit. <laughs> All right, I, I can't. Uh, much, much yeah, respect, like salute, y'all, man. Like, hopefully, he'll make another record that I like one day. <laughs> I will say this: the one thing that was absolutely incredible on his album, no shots, all the shots. Az's verse. I'll see y'all later. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's all good. Az had all. He deserved all that credit. It's all good. Absolutely, yo. All good. That's the that's the best hip hop feature all time. Straight up. And listen, I respect him to the till. You know, it's just for me. And like, Nas ain't got to make a record for me. He already made one. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so y'all. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. Splendid Radio on Fireside TV.